Everybody, 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 drop your buff, stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we are recapping episode nine of The Challenge USA, a very Sarah Lucina centric episode. Evan, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, this was super duper exciting. Um, and it's funny because for those of us that aren't Patreon subscribers, we just uh, recapped the latest episode of Snake in the Grass, which was basically Stephanie LaGrosa, uh, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the origin story of her, if you will. Um, or basically, I don't know, the sequel, whatever. But this had that same energy in being an episode that was very focused on one player I don't know. I just think Sarah continues to deliver big, both in ways that she is aware of at times and then also in ways in which she uh, perhaps is not. But I thought uh, ultimately did not culminate in quite what it had uh, promised. But I do think this was an incredibly exciting episode. Yeah, I really, really liked this episode, and I thought it was a great mix of, I mean, I think both of the challenges were really fun and interesting, and I think just the interpersonal drama, the night out, I think this is our best night out yet uh, in Buenos Aires, and there's just like so much to dig our teeth into, and I think that there's some really interesting dynamics going on. I mean, this Angela, Alyssa, and the Survivor Boys Alliance uh, has gotten complicated and it was an i think an interesting episode for danny as well who's now qualified for the final because of his challenge win but had to navigate this situation of being a winner with desi and then having to like figure out how to pull her into the alliance whether that's real or fake just to uh, sort of like get her essentially to turn on her allies and, and he was successful in doing that so i thought it was a really interesting episode for danny as well i feel like i'm gonna have a, a number of questions for you as we move through the episode but one just because you're bringing it up right now that i i am curious about is yeah in that moment desi sort of framed it as her acquiescing to danny's wants um what was strange about that was what if they had not, like what if she was like, I'm unwilling to bend and you're unwilling to bend. So what happens then? We have yet to find out how that would work in in the arena scenario. And what I found particularly strange about it in Desi doing what she did was that like, that is that impacts her game in ways that, you know, like whatever woman goes home is ultimately dictating who she's going into the final with because am I correct I don't again tell me if, if you're the wrong person to ask because we're both sort of navigating this but but there's going to be both a male and female winner I believe so yeah so I guess it's like wouldn't wouldn't and once you get down to these gendered eliminations wouldn't the person that is the gender that's you know in theory uh, uh, you know seeing who their playing field is going to be wouldn't they sort of like shouldn't danny if anything be deferential to desi 
Well, that's what I'm thinking because I thought that on the night out, Sarah made a really, really good pitch to the girls, the Fab Five, as we're introduced to a new alliance here of, <laughs> of the, the the best women on the show. And uh, she's telling them, like, stop doing the boys' dirty work. Like, you, th- this is not in your best game plan. Your, the, what would be in your best interest is to put me against Angela so that you're eliminating one of your biggest threats in the final, whether that's me or Angela. And similarly, when Danny later said, well, if I throw in Angela or Alyssa and they come back, they could target me next week. And it's like, well, not really, because there's going to be somebody else that they're with that can ultimately, as was the case this week, dictate the move that's for their best interest. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think the... But I think the unspoken thing about that was that if he goes against this alliance, which was just formed, uh, then any one of those people winning, including like a Dom who he seems quite close with, including a Ben, would also potentially, you know, uh, want to seek revenge on him should he just automatically, like the first week after this alliance is formed, to flip on it. I guess, but I feel like it's just such an easy out to be like, it wasn't my decision. It was Desi's ass on the line ultimately, and this is the move that Desi wanted. And so like... I didn't want to go against someone who she it was. She had won the challenge. I felt like it was fair for her to get to dictate. That's one of the benefits of winning the challenge. I don't know. I feel like he could have walked himself out of that very easily. And I just don't think Danny is someone with uh, so big of a target on him. I also do just want to point out, like, Tyson has really dropped out of this season. Mm-hmm. He was such a big part Uh, not just screen time wise, but also just sort of in propelling the narrative in those early episodes. And there was a talking head at one point in this episode where I forgot that Angela sort of has like a right hand man in Tyson, just because he had so much dropped out of the conversation for such a a long while, Uh, both in terms of screen time, but even just like in the challenges themselves, he was very much a non-entity in this episode. For instance, I was like, you know, we saw this moment where Angela and, uh, Alyssa, we're teaming up. And it's like, why wasn't Tyson a part of that? Yeah, I mean, look at me. I just said, I just tried to name the guys who would potentially turn against Danny should he flip on his alliance this early. And I forgot to list Tyson as one of the survivor guys. He has disappeared. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm not complaining. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's disappeared this episode. I mean, he yeah. was quite big in the last episode. It's true. But um, yeah, it, I just thought the whole thing was really interesting. And was it the right move for Danny? I don't know. I think time will tell on that. But I think that like what he what he could have done to show that he's kind of like willing to bend or work with Desi, because that was his whole point. I mean, the reason he told her the lie about how she's in this alliance was so that she wouldn't automatically realize that he is against her and so what he could have done is like at least make uh, a real pitch to Angela about going up against Sarah and if it's like if Angela's entire narrative is she is stronger than Sarah Sarah talks a lot of smack and doesn't deliver then prove it like wouldn't this be a great opportunity to prove it but I mean he at least as far as we see he doesn't even try that yeah I just think that we really need this showdown between Angela and Sarah in the arena. If if we don't get this before the finale, I think it's going to be sad. Right. I mean, there's just such a buildup around it. And at this point, I just, I don't know if they have it because for, again, I've only watched a couple of TJ's finals now. And again, I'm in the, I'm in the way early season. So granted, they could have changed a lot, but I 
they're not like head to head. They're like multiple people doing something. So there is a world in which it's just like Angela and Sarah like don't interact moving yeah. forward. And I, this sort of goes to one of my like larger points slash questions. And and we and you and I talked about this similarly with Snake in the Grass in our Patreon episode where it's like. I just don't know what all of this strategizing really adds up to in the end. I get on the one hand that like, yeah, you don't want to be a target. Um, but a lot of the people that are left in the game will advance to the final. It's not as though only a couple of these people, there will be many people in the final, it seems. And so I just think all of this sort of like fab five and survivor men with big brother women. It's like, I just don't think it, matters as much as the show would like us to believe and also not for nothing like what's going on with the big brother men who we just have no clear sense of strategically and they are two guys both of whom i mean i was gonna say i guess enzo isn't that strong of a competitor but david has won a challenge you would think that like they're you know they are potential threats or, or or their perspective is relevant if, if nothing else and they're just not a part of the edit in the sense of like strategically yeah i thought it was really interesting during the challenge when dom uh threw a black tile onto david's uh, sheet and that david like kind of called him out and was like dom is flying under the radar he's trying to make sure that people don't see how slow he actually is which which actually should be helping dom if nothing else because we're so close to the final that of course i would want to go up against dom if i was a strong guy in the house so i don't see that necessarily as a bad thing but that we got this little moment where there was like this tiff between david and dom and i was like uh, similar to when tyson popped up during the challenge as a talking head i was like oh david he's still here Okay, well, let's get into the recap. Uh, We'll start at the beginning where we're opening on a yacht and we're introduced to this brand new alliance called the Fab Five. It is made up of all the girls who are not Angela and Alyssa. So that's Sarah, Kayla, Justine, Cachet, and Desi. And once again, we get very handy infographic showing us who they are. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, okay, and this I want to pose the same point, but this time, like, as in the form of a question, which is just like, what does this alliance, because they have all, no ultimate say in who goes into the elimination? Because I mean, clearly, even when one of them is in the uh, the position of power, they don't even help the alliance. It's just like, what is this really an alliance from for any other reason outside of branding? Yeah, it's a good question. I. Th- I do think they could have had some power. I honestly think like Desi really flubbed this week, unfortunately, because I actually I really liked her this episode. I was happy for her win. Um, everything up until her final decision with Danny, I was really expecting to see a disagreement there in the arena because, as I said last week, we haven't seen TJ ask each individual player who they want to put up into the arena since the first episode. And so when he said, Danny, who do you want to put in? And then went, Desi, who do you want to put in? I thought there was going to be a disagreement, but there wasn't. And I think that like, I mean, it's a credit to Danny that he managed to convince Desi that this was in her best interest. But I just think like, it's a shame that Desi fell for that because 
that would have been like the fruit of this alliance, right? As if she really dug her heels in and said, I am not putting one of these girls up. And I kind of like that Desi and Sarah, these survivor girls have kind of linked up with the the ragtag group of Love Island girls and the last remaining, uh, the amazing race person, Kayla. So I just, I really like the dynamic of this alliance i just wish that it came of something and it could have but desi kind of flubbed it and it also seemed that during the challenge itself when sarah was encouraging everyone to sort of like help her out that didn't seem alliance driven because she was also going to people on in theory the other (laughs) alliance to help her it basically was like she was going to anyone that wasn't Alyssa and angela she was panicking yeah which we we will get into (laughs) But it's just one of those moments of like, we keep talking again, there's a lot of talk of strategy and alliances. And I just think this game is very different than Survivor in the sense that like, I don't know what those conversations really add up to in the end. Yeah, they're soft alliances. I mean, there's only so much you can really do on this show. I think the whole the, the format of the show doesn't lend itself well to alliances as we know them on Survivor and Big Brother. I right. feel like it's almost more like, and I'm speaking as somebody who doesn't watch this show, but I feel like it's more aligned with an alliance you would find on The Amazing Race, right? Like, there's not a whole lot you can do. You can, like, agree to help each other out where you can, but, you know, your hands are kind of tied at a certain point by the format of the show. Right. And the fact that you would think that there's four people that go to the finale, two men and two women. Like, you would think we're in this until we get down to the final four, but no, there's a world in which it's like... Yeah, there's (laughs) where many people are in this. We don't even know how many people are in this final. Well, that's what we heard in one of our voicemails. I think it was our listener. Katie sent in a voicemail about how the finales were or how TJ's final works and that it's multiple people. And then there will be uh, often sort of like a a one like a one challenge or like one round of challenges or whatever it is. And then like the bottom half performers get automatically eliminated. So I guess my question too then is like, and I would love someone that's a big challenge person to call in and educate us on this. This is a spinoff, right? This is this is a new, so there's the challenge, the challenge mm-hmm. All-Stars, and the challenge now USA. Is there any way in which this show functions differently than the challenge outside of casting? Because it does kind of make you wonder from a strategic standpoint, I was gonna say, why not just call this the challenge All Stars? Because, but, but, it, but then it's like, well, these are they're different kinds of All Stars. But it's like, is this a new franchise strictly for branding, or are there ways in which uh, like this this show operates differently? Yeah, that's a really good question. I did. I was really trying to keep up with recaps, other recaps uh, in the early days of the Challenge USA because I needed to figure out what the hell was going on with this show and like how it works. Um, I've sort of dropped off with that, but I do recall sort of like comments about how everything's kind of unprecedented on the challenge because they change up the rules so frequently and there's been so many sort of like iterations of like plugging in uh, plugging in one format change, plugging in another format change so that like we've seen a lot of things that are similar, but you never see kind of like the same mix of the approach to the game in terms of like the algorithm, the partnerships, uh, individual games, how the eliminations work, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so yeah, if anybody has some insight into that, we would love to hear it because the other thing is TJ said in this episode, this is the first women's 
uh, elimination. Which well, I don't remember him saying that about the men's elimination last week, but he may have. Right, but it makes sense being that in the scenes for next week, we have a men's elimination next week. Mm-hmm. So in theory, we mm-hmm. would need to have another women's, which means if this was episode nine, that would mean we have 10, 11. Then, th- then possibly we have two more. So we have two more weeks of single eliminations than the finale. Maybe. But I don't know that necessarily the finale is like, I don't know that TJ's final is one episode. I don't, I mean, maybe it is, but maybe it's like two episodes. It's just funny because I thought this was a tight 10 and we're on episode nine with no, and I'm I'm not complaining, but we're on episode nine with no sense of, you know, completion. Yeah, true, true. And I have to wonder, this has to wrap before Survivor 43, right? I don't know. Does does it have to wrap? <laughs> I know. I mean, it's it? in the nine o'clock time slot. It could play after Survivor. It just feels weird because although, be- yeah, you know what? Because the premiere of Survivor, I believe, is two hours, and that's on Wednesday night. So what are they going to do? Push, and then we're going to be like reaching the finale of the challenge. And they're going to put that at ten. I doubt it. So I would think that it would wrap before, and I think we have time for it. Hmm. I'm going to guess if, okay, so just looking at the schedule, (laughs) if September 7th is our next episode, and that would be a male elimination, then the 14th would be a female elimination, the 21st would be the finale, and Survivor premieres when? The 21st. So I would, I bet you it's finale premiere night together. Interesting. That's my guess. I just feel like the timing for that's going to be weird because I imagine the finale of the challenge would be longer than a typical episode. Maybe not, but I imagine that it would be. And the premiere of Survivor is longer than a typical episode. I can't remember, is it 90 minutes or two hours? But um, that's a long night of TV, I'll tell you that. And a long morning for us the next day. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to have to write to somebody at CBS. Um, I, we should also talk about Angela here because Angela and Alyssa this episode were, have really, they've really taken it to the next level here. And we get our first glimpse of this when, you know, the Fab Five are cheersing each other on the yacht. And Angela says uh, that before you call yourself fabulous, you should probably qualify for the final, which like she's got a point, but. I think that her and Alyssa are going to take this smack talk to like such an extreme level this episode that I don't know if I'm just getting protective of of Sarah, Um, but like, I'm like, shut up, Angela and Alyssa. You're really starting to annoy me. Their cockiness, especially Alyssa, because like at least Angela, okay, she is a very good uh, competitor. And although she doesn't necessarily have the personality to back up all of this smack talk, uh, you know, in other words, she's not dynamic enough to get away with this, in my opinion. Alyssa's like, what has Alyssa done in challenges besides like put a medicine ball on a trivia question? Like Alyssa well, is not. She knew how I many be, albums Justin Bieber released. That's for sure, but she had no idea how many Adele released. That's true. Uh, I don't think that Alyssa is in any position to be talking this much smack about anybody, to be honest. I agree. I will say, though, that I do like the 5-2 element because I'm not really rooting for, like, either side in this. Like, <laughs> like it's an interesting feeling because ordinarily I'm very underdog prone. So I would typically say if there's a 5-2 dynamic, I'm always going to be on the side of the two. I'm not really on the side of the two, and there are more people I like in the five, but 
I don't really feel one way or the other. And I, I, that's the thing about, I've, I'm realizing about this season is like, there's no one I'm really rooting for, like the way that I usually am a survivor because my choice would be Justine, but she's so not a part of the mm. show these last couple weeks that like rooting for her doesn't really, she's not episodically present enough to be like, you know, there for her in a big way. So when it comes to this 5-2, I'm kind of like, I, I, I would prefer, overall, I'd prefer a 5-2 versus like a 3-3. Three, three. You know what I mean? Like, I like the idea that like, the odds are seemingly stacked against them, but the five is so loosely banded together that the, t- that the two, like, you know, were able yeah. to, to trounce them. I have to say that like, just as you're talking about that, I'm realizing that this edit is, I don't know maybe a little misogynistic because it is not a five two like the five have come together that's great but the two are part of a much bigger group which includes every survivor man oh really i don't see as misogynistic at all though because i mean yes i hear what you're saying but at the end of the day the eliminations like the who's going to the arena it's only a singular gender yes that has to do with it so so I, I think at the end of the day, it's like, yes, it's not technically a 5-2, right? It's technically more a 5-6, if you really think about it. However, we're not really clear on how in against... Like, it's not as though those four men in the Alliance are against people like Kayla. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have no, they, that, they have no horse in that race, essentially. I because hear it doesn't, you. Because it doesn't factor into their game in any way because they wouldn't even be facing off against them in the elimination. But I mean, the interesting thing that happens here is that like shortly after this scene, we see that there's trouble in paradise between Ben and Sarah. And it's like that is not explored in any detail whatsoever. And it's like that's something we talked about this on our last podcast that Tyson had mentioned on his podcast. All of a sudden it's brought up and it's like, well, wait a second. But we're focusing so heavily on like Alyssa and Angela hate Sarah and Sarah hates Alyssa and Angela. And other people are sort of like dragged into it. But what the hell is going on between Sarah and Ben? Because these, as far as we knew up until last week, were like thick as thieves. Right. Right. Also, what was with that Ben moment at the beginning of the episode? It was like in the previously on, I think, where it was like, these dishes are so dirty. <laughs> and it's like, okay. I don't know. I, lo- I love a bit of dish drama. I wish that. Well, me I too. Wish but like, you have, have to wonder. Drama. You have to wonder that all of this is inserted into the edit for a reason. I mean, you want to believe that. So it's like, what is this leading to? A confrontation over dishes or blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I feel like they <laughs> shoehorned in the Ben Sarah stuff. And, and then also it gets confusing too because I keep imagining if you're not a survivor watcher, you might assume like Ben and Sarah have this like long storied history on Survivor, but it's just a few episodes in one season. Like they've only played the game together once. Like there's not a huge um, story there. It's significant, but this, this is not a part of the challenge, but it's significant in how Ben went out of the game um, in Winners at War. Um, but there seems to be just confusion around, like, their, not only their uh, relationship in the game, but, like, their relationship out of the game. Mm. Like, are they close? I, I do not know. I think they have a lot in common in their love of America and they <laughs> seem to be very family oriented. Um, yeah. But I don't know if that, yeah, if their connection outside the game. 
I almost yeah. feel like this is a little bit of a tangent, but just really briefly, but like we really were robbed of that Winners at War reunion. And I think a lot could have been, there was mm-hmm. a lot that needed to be hashed out. Totally. Yeah, for sure. We also, because we talked about this on our Patreon episode, and we're not just going to like tell you everything that happens on Patreon because you actually have to subscribe to find out, but this feels important to mention that uh, Sarah Lucina is now following Evan Ross Katz, uh, engaging with posts, and you know we may be close we may be closing in on an interview with yeah Mother. no i think we're definitely at this rate hovering and i do just want to say for our non-patreon subscribers i was just telling billy this last night i think i made you laugh harder than i've ever made you laugh <laughs> during our last episode i think you're right so our I last think, our I last think you were in the grass episode was wild yeah it was wild i think things we really let our hair down on the patreon and share some of some opinions that we wouldn't necessarily put out in the main episode. For sure. For sure. <laughs> We're not thinking about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, there's a link in the show notes. And it's September 1st, so it's a great day to sign up mm. because you can check it out for the entire month of September. If you don't like it, cancel October. Uh, yeah. While I'm thinking about it, though, uh, I do think that I would love to see Desi back on Survivor because I think that if nothing else, if like there, I would say she's the player among the Survivor players that's really emerged as far as like everything we've seen of Sarah on the challenge has been great, but we've gotten that on Survivor mm-hmm. before, thankfully. And I feel like Desi's the one where I'm like, wow, there's a lot more gas in this tank. Like I would love to see her come back. Yeah, and I really like the way that she's just kind of thrown herself in with these Love Island girls, and there's been so Wait, much... Uh, the legs? The legs, I should say. Yes, yeah. the legs. And there was a great scene between Desi and Justine just just ta- talking about Angela and being like, she doesn't even need the money. Have you seen the diamonds she's wearing? So good. Yeah, I, I just love that kind of like that kind of just sort of nugget of life in the house is what I think we could use a little bit more of, but I'm glad that we got it. And so it's it's like nice to see Desi just sort of like mix and sort of float between alliances a little bit. Uh, although I do wish that she made a better decision in this episode, but you know. Uh, okay, what else? Right before the daily challenge, we've got uh, they're setting us up for Danny's win by telling us about how he's chasing his five thousand dollars to qualify for the final. He's the last man left. He's the last man left unqualified for the final, uh, and he's ready to go balls to the wall. Okay, I have to say it, unfortunately, but Danny is not great television, and I think I say that because and Kiki, if you're listening. I'm sure he's a great man. I I really like Danny. I'm talking about strictly television. To have a narrative like be this built up and then to have it like feel so just blah when it finally happened, like even the show felt a little bit like they didn't even know how to, you know, this is such a big moment in theory, right? I mean, this moment could have been as big as Sarah's win in the arena. It's someone who's, just like Sarah, he needed this win in order to stay in the game, essentially. And when he, like, finally won, there was just, like, they had no footage to, like, there was nothing to do with it. Like, it wasn't like they could cut to, like, his, you know, people in his alliance being really excited. He clearly wasn't that excited. I feel like Danny just doesn't... Danny, he's lacking the charisma. 
Wow. I know. Is that mean? Mm. I like, I don't know that I completely agree. I just think that he's not, um, I think he's almost too mature for a show like this. Because that could totally be it. But it's like, he is the fact that, uh, who was, who made the comment that they wouldn't be afraid to go into the, uh, arena with Danny. I don't remember. Anyway, I, yeah, I just, I, I agree with you. He might be too mature, but I just feel like Danny, I mean, this was definitely the most Danny we've got in an episode. It's not that he's boring. I just don't think he has the energy for reality television. Hmm. I think that I was more interested in him on Survivor. Like, I think about last week with Enzo, who I would think is also a dud cast member. But, like, when Enzo was in the arena last week, for better or for worse, he hit the battery pack turned on. You know what I mean? Like, he was amped and ready to go and, and, and do how to do I mean, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think that if Danny was in the arena, we'd be seeing something fun. But nobody wants to go against him in the arena, I don't think. See. Okay, well, let's get to the Daily Challenge, where they are playing a game called Collect Four, where each player uh, has to fill... No, each player is given a 6 by 5 board, which is in the middle of the arena, and throughout the challenge, they have to run through the entire arena to collect colored tokens, which they can either use to place on their board in order to connect four of them in a straight line, or they can flip it, uh, and on the back of their token, it's just black, and they can put it on somebody else's board to prevent them from being able to lay four of their tokens in a row. And so the first man and first woman to line up four tokens on their board is going to win. And again, this is a women's elimination round. So the uh, I guess the, the idea is like the first woman not to be able to do so uh, would lose. Um, so... I really liked this challenge because it was, it's sort of like deceptively physical in that you have so much space to cover in order to collect these tokens. And then there, like, I think that this is also a great sort of like strategic game as well in terms of the numbers and how you're using your tokens. And are you going to spend all that energy and all that time to collect a token to use it against somebody else as opposed to for yourself. And I think we saw this play out in a really interesting way with the Fab Five, uh, that Sarah and Kayla were very much in the team of like, let's use our power to block Angela and Alyssa. But someone like Cache, for example, was like, look, I've done all this work. Like, I'm trying to like not lose here. Uh, I don't want to go into the arena. Ultimately, that didn't really work out for Cache um, because I think that Kayla and Sarah were on to something here. It's like, let's force, if one of us has to go in, then like, at least let's have some control over that. Let's force Angela or Alyssa into the arena. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I didn't understand it in the episode, but I understand now. I think that there was so much... Again, my brain is small, and I think I was there was so much I was trying to figure out about how the game works and then how they're trying to operate that, that I didn't understand that. But okay, so I hear what you're saying now, which is that if they all teamed up, basically what you're saying is all of the women minus Sarah are already qualified for the finale. So they yeah. don't need to win in terms yeah. of to save their lives. So basically, if the legs 
plus, well, I was gonna say the Fab Five, but that means I don't say the Ligs. So the Ligs plus Sarah, Desi, and Kayla, as I would call the Alliance, um, <laughs> if they all team up together and go after Angela, they're guaranteed to put her in the finale. And then in theory, it's then six to one in terms of who would win, because the only fear then you that you could continue to have then is if Alyssa wins, but then the five of you could just go after Alyssa. You know, you can just knock one, go to the next. Okay. Yeah. This they should have been able lot... to take both of them out and yeah. decide who's going into the arena. The only reason that one of them should want to win is order to, in order to make sure that they are not put into the arena against Angela or Alyssa. But I think Sarah wants to go in so badly. Right. That, that Sarah like, would, yeah, she'd throw herself in. Yeah. Not only does she want to go in because she wants to go toe-to-toe with Angela, but she would also need to go in to get the money. So this this all makes a lot of sense. It did not make sense to me in the episode, so I'm, I wonder if anyone else out there was like, this a little, yeah. Wait, so what's weird to me then is like, why didn't they, like, yeah, if they are an alliance, a Fab Five, this that feels like the well. I think this is the problem. It's like it's like on Survivor when we have a challenge. Jeff gives them two minutes to strategize about the challenge. Right here, they don't get that, and we even got a talking head from Kayla talking about that, being like, "I'm trying to make eyes contact with the Fab Five to sort of like convey to them we need to focus on getting Angela and Alyssa out, and they're not looking at me." And then we had Sarah, of course running around trying to convey this to anybody who would listen, including like Angela, that they should be blocking Angela and Alyssa. And just like nobody was taking the time to like stop and like critically think about how this challenge works. Yeah, but you would also think they would have pre-strategized. I mean, this like there's a number of challenges in which something like this plays out. This also, you have similar challenges on Survivor. You would think there would have just been some kind of game plan hashed out where like, if there's any way in which the five of us can collectively work together against the other two during this challenge, not necessarily knowing that this is the exact format it's going to be, but you would think that they would go in with a 5-2 mindset. Like, this shouldn't have needed two minutes of strategy before the challenge in order to say, this makes sense. There's five of us, two of them. Yeah. And in that sense, I have to hand it to Angela and Alyssa, who, like, really figured this challenge out in a way that even I don't think I'd be able to figure out because, like, when it came to the actual board... I would be really bad at doing the math of like, where do I have to put the tokens in order to ensure that like minimal trips maximize the blockage of Sarah's ability to connect for, um, because that's a strategy unto itself in terms of like how the board is laid out. Uh, but they managed to do it uh, like quite easily that Sarah is eliminated. And I think the only person who actually helps Sarah out is Kayla and maybe one other because she's like confronting them at the boards and and they're scared. I can't remember who that was. Um, but the, I mean, the, the greatest thing about this challenge truly was the montage of Sarah just running around, huffing and puffing, <laughs> yelling, <laughs> yelling about how they're, they're trying to block me. Okay. And the thing about this, which makes it like so iconic is... In most instances like this, right, when you're trying to, like, montage a moment like this, you might have, like, maximum three moments of the person (laughs) doing the thing that you're Mm -hmm. just kind of trying to loop or, like, get as much out of it. With Sarah Lucina, 
you had, I think maybe 16 instances. <laughs> like the amount of footage that she provided was such where like, sometimes you can see a reality edit trying to make a pattern where like there's not quite one or like, you know what I mean? But with Sarah, it's like, she's not just going to like deliver, but she'll give you 16 takes of it so that you can choose which angle you like best, which delivery you like best. You know, like she's giving you so much to work with that it's just so satisfying. Yeah. And, and on top of that. that, it's like she's working so hard and no one is listening to her <laughs> besides Kayla. So it's like you would think that it's like, wow, she's going to such great effort. But like, yeah, her her back's on the line here. Is her back on the line? What is it? Her ass is on the line? Whatever. Her body's on the line. You would think that it would have like resulted in something. But yeah. this to me felt like a clear moment too where it's like, okay, Sarah should realize in this moment that – People like Ben, for instance, who I thought was her biggest ally several weeks ago, are not working with her. Mm -hmm. That to me was the weird thing where it's mm -hmm. like, if I'm Sarah, before I, I mean, yes, I'd go to the five ladies, but I'd also go to Ben and be like, you don't have any, you've nothing to lose. You're, you're qualified for the final now, thanks to last week, and you're not on the chopping block this week. Help me out. For sure. And I mean, we saw her pleading with Dom as well. Uh, uh, I guess Danny definitely wanted to win. I'm trying to think of the other Survivor men. Tyson's not going to help her. Uh, but it should be showing her exactly where she lies within these alliances. And she could have probably used that as ammunition when she needed it, when she was trying to convince the Desi of what she should do and like where these alliances actually lie because uh, it's a very clear indication. It reminds me of the, you know, the, the Survivor... Uh, uh, that classic challenge where you, you know, chop someone's rope and it reveals kind of the pecking order of alliances. And, uh, you know, this kind of does that. It's like, who's going to help me, especially out of the men. Danny's the only man trying to win. Nobody's trying to stop him from winning. Uh, nobody, no other man has to win. So why aren't you helping me? That would be my question. And that's the other thing about this structure of the game, where it's like, once the two of them won, the game continue like okay so wait did a man lose this episode or no no and had sarah not been knocked out would they continue like i just i guess i'm trying to think in real time i just, i guess i don't fully understand how this game works so so i think it would be that the loser would be uh if nobody's knocked out the loser would be the last to connect for got it so they would okay 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 that makes sense yeah, yeah. also if if the board had 25 uh, why not make it a 16 length board? I guess because 25 gives them more options to make four. I mean, don't ask me to do math. It just seems like strangely complicated, but I did, again, we've talked a lot in these episodes about like, is the challenge like visually interesting? And like, I thought this one was because I clear, it was like, I had a clear understanding of like where they were going, but I had a sense of like the journey to, under, to get the pieces back down to the board where it was like, it was difficult, but not impossible. Like yeah. I understood yeah. the, how one would sort of uh, pace themselves in this episode. Yeah. Uh, I, we got a lot of, I think, interesting perspective, interesting talking heads during this challenge around the sort of battle between Angela and Alyssa and Sarah, because uh, Kayla really was sort of the voice of reason here. And 
I think Sarah made some good points about like the strategy of the game, but Kayla's like the objective observer, right? And so I thought that she really had such a good handle on this. And she was like pointing out several flaws in the plan where uh, one of them was that if Angela and Alyssa are doing this, they're forcing Sarah into the elimination arena where she can win her money to qualify for the final where she's likely to win her money and it's possible that one of you is going to be put up against her i mean that didn't happen but it was certainly like a very possible outcome where especially if it was someone like Alyssa, sarah was probably going to eliminate her so Um, is the better strategy if you're them to put a few black tiles down on sarah's board so that she can't win but that she doesn't necessarily lose Yeah, I almost feel like the better strategy is win, Angela win, and don't put Sarah into the arena. Angela win, and don't put Sarah into the arena. Because Sarah wasn't trying to throw the challenge. So it's almost like if if you're Angela, win by having Alyssa help you win versus help you help Sarah lose. Yeah. That's interesting. Because... Like there was no, maybe Sarah considered it, but like one thing she could have done, if she really wants to go into the arena to win her money, throw the challenge, start putting black tiles on your own thing. Um, Although it's probably much better to know who you're going to potentially be going up against. But as long as it's not like Angela, who's probably her closest physical competitor, um, then it could be anybody and she's probably going to do well. So she wants she's been wanting to go into the arena forever so just throw the challenge and go into the arena so it's not necessarily like a bad thing that she went into the arena and so the better thing to do would be to like uh i think from angela and Alyssa's perspective is to win and not give sarah what she wants not put her into the finale basically keep her from collecting money which is like the ultimate baller move do you yeah. think that Sarah and Angela have any sort of relationship at all, um, you know, outside of game talk? But it's like, you know, we're getting down to the wire here in terms of amount of people there. And I think it would be pretty awkward to have like this, like such clear cut division. And so I'm just wondering, like, do you think that like they are able to have conversations that are not game related? Or do you think their relationship is so so intrinsic uh to gameplay that it's like they they have no personal connection you know at all i can't see them chit-chatting yeah but like i i can't either and yet there are in theory 22 hours of downtime per day when they're not doing challenge related activities so it's like i'm with you but at the same time i'm kind of like they there's you know there's all you know we've talked about the meals for instance and like are there times that they are potentially hanging out Yeah, I mean, they must have to, like, interact. I just don't see them having long conversations. I think there's enough people that you you don't have to have, like, in-depth conversations with people you don't want to talk to. I just don't see them having anything in common, any common interests. It's also just I mean, besides the fact that they're, like, they've both had the experience of being on, you know, a, a nationally heavily viewed reality show on CBS. Right. It's also just very interesting to me. I I really would love a better sense of like other people's strategies just because it's like, for instance, if you're one of the legs, like the way that we're being 
you know, uh, understanding it is that their only alliance is with the three other girls, but it's like, have they reached across the aisle to the other, other gender and like tried to secure some deals at all? And it's like, I get that, like, for instance, if you're Kayla, like, I get that you like Sarah, but like, wouldn't it be behoove of someone like Kayla, who ostensibly is the biggest free agent in the game by way of like, you know, because at this point, it seems like Cache and Justine are more or less a duo if for no other reason than they're the two remaining Love Island people. And then Desi and Sarah share their connection with Survivor and Angela and, uh, uh, what's her name? Alyssa. Alyssa. My God, so many names. Angela and Alyssa, <laughs> big brother. So if anything, so if you're like, you know, if you're Kayla, I might try and formulate some, I might be trying to play both sides here. Like, it's just odd to me that like, there's not more like, uh, strategy around sort of deception it's like it seems very clear cut who everyone's playing with do you think that after shan's exit press where she was talking so much shit about angela and Alyssa, that like sarah texted shan and was like you go girl do you think they have a relationship no because they have common enemies I feel, yeah, they have common enemies, but I feel like what Chan did is a step too far. And I don't, I think Sarah, I don't think Sarah would be down for that. Hmm. Cause I think hmm. that there's always that moment of like when things become like bigger than the game and can potentially like um, impede, you know, someone's public, not, not like public perception cause they're not like public, public figures. But I feel like Sarah is disciplined enough to like not, I think Shan went a little too rogue. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But she probably giggled at home about it. Perhaps. I don't know. It's like (laughs) Shan is just... But as we Uh, mentioned on the Patreon, you are afraid of Shan. So I feel like I'm more willing to stand up against our enemy. I have to say that I have been... Okay, so every week before the recap, I do try to read at least the Entertainment Weekly recap of this just to make sure there's nothing like I'm completely missing. And they hate Sarah. Like, they, the whole recap is just like, Sarah's an amateur brat. Sarah thinks she's so amazing. She's not. She sucks. Nobody likes Sarah. Like, the whole thing is just like a Sarah smear piece. And I'm wondering, like, are we watching the same show? Because this whole episode, I was like, oh, my God, I love Sarah. I mean, Sarah is the star of the Challenge USA. So they hate you because they hate you. Like, that's what I, that's what I take away from that. But is she that polarized? I mean, like, I get that she's a polarizing figure in Survivor, but, like, on this show, is she that polarizing? Because what I'm seeing is somebody trying. And it's maybe a little bit delusional, and, like, I get that, but I find that endearing personally. I could see how somebody would be put off by that. But when you get, like, during this challenge, just, like, the nonstop, like, petty confessionals from Angela and Alyssa just being, like, the Fab Five should be so embarrassed of themselves. Like, they suck so badly. Um, I think that that comes off far worse than what Sarah does. But that's in confessionals. But what does Sarah do in person that's so bad? I would I would bet, if anything, it's just that I would imagine that other people can turn off game mode more than Sarah. Mm, okay. But then again, it's like, this doesn't seem... Like, this is why this is so different from the challenge that I'm currently watching, where it's like... The challenge I'm watching, like, they are, like, genuine friends outside the game. And this does not, you do not get the sense that this is, like, a cast that, like, knows how to, like, kick it. 
The other thing is, like in these Entertainment Weekly, not not to make this a recap about Entertainment Weekly's recaps, but like they love Tyson, and I feel like they love Tyson for all the reasons they hate Sarah, which that to me is rooted in misogyny. Hmm. Okay. And again, so. this this is like a much longer conversation, which we won't go down right now. But I think I I mean part of my love for Sarah, part of why Sarah is mother, is that I think that if a man were to operate in the game the way that Sarah operates, and not just in the challenge, I think in Survivor as well, they would get a lot less shit. Yeah, hundred. I mean, we're seeing it. Look at Tyson. Yeah. So ultimately, Danny is. Oh the wait, winner sorry, of this. sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. But wait, just while we're on the subject, can we mention briefly? I do feel like we need to correct something. So, okay. in our last episode, we were talking about how ridiculous it was that Sarah would put herself uh, potentially in the men's uh, arena because there was there was without the possibility of winning the necessary money. There was uh, an Instagram post that Sarah Lucina did. You can check it out. It's still on her page right now in which she explains the fact that her she got they're able to call home once a week. She got a we call. We talked from, about this on the podcast last week. We did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I read the post. Oh. <laughs> Wait, last week? Like like the po- the podcast we just recorded. On Sunday. Okay. What we didn't talk about was Leo's exit press. Right. I think where my brain went then was thinking that the Sarah thing was new, but then I'm remembering now that we recorded the podcast Yeah, my whole week's been thrown off by the... It's funny. It's like, I thought that you and I had had that as a private um, conversation, (laughs) not on the... Huh. Okay, great. Everything's on the record. Great. Um, Yeah, wait, but can we touch down on that briefly? Sure. The Leo I, exit press? Yeah, I mean, dark-sided. Yeah. yeah. So Leo says, uh, for anybody who hasn't followed his exit press, which is probably most people, um, <laughs> he had a few things to say. He was really throwing production under the bus around, for example, the phone call he had with his girlfriend about his businesses. Uh, they, he said that you're you know, al- allowed a certain number of phone calls each week and that they started cutting him back and they stopped letting him talk to his like uh, business partner. And so the girlfriend had to become this liaison and then they, they wouldn't let them talk about the business. And so he got fed up with that and was like, if you're not going to let me deal with my business issues, then I'm leaving. Uh, and so that's why he packed his bag, not that he was like so determined that he had to go help out his business. Then he also talked about how he didn't come back into the arena at the end of his elimination, because not because he was a sore loser, but because he had a concussion and was waiting for an ambulance and that none of that was shown. He said that uh, all of his like all of his confessions confessionals were shown out of order and they were like taking uh, reactions from several weeks previously to describe the uh, events that were happening in his elimination episode. Okay, well, that's like par for the course on reality. I was going to say, welcome to the game. Um, what else did he have to say? I mean, he just came across very, very bitter. Oh, Ben. He was talking about oh, Ben. Oh, yeah. He talking, said, like, Ben yeah. is the most spineless person I've ever met. I went out of my way to befriend him. And he's, like, just completely turns on people. He has no spine. He's, like, a like. And this is so bitch. funny just because we got, like, Leo, for those first few weeks, it was, like, sweet, innocent Leo. And it's, like, he I said think- he doesn't even like cats that much. That I believe. 
<laughs> what if it's like it turns out he's like a cat abuser? Um, yeah, not a great round of press for Leo at all. It definitely, I think this was definitely, I mean, Leo certainly had an arc on this show, but like, I think that Leo, uh, I'm fine with not seeing Leo back again. But one thing I do want to point out in all of this that I do think is relevant is that because these are returning players from Survivor and Big Brother, some of whom have, you know, are haven't played in a long time, this is a much older cast than we would typically get on a season of The Challenge or even on Survivor. And I think that's notable in that I'm watching The Challenge season 15 right now, and they're 21, 22, 23 years old. They're not leaving much behind. These people have kids. The majority of this cast has kids and husbands and wives and jobs and, and livelihoods that, you know, some of them might have been working at their job for decades. I do think that, like, there there is more that has to be given up to play this game than... Um, than standard episodes of the challenge or just reality television in general. So I don't, I'm not, it's not so much that I like empathize with Leo, but I do understand the fact that like there is, you know, I even thinking about Sarah with the Instagram post that you read on the podcast last week. Um, you know, there are really, there are real world things that take place that I almost feel like one of the, maybe harder things is like in Survivor, you're shut out of all communication where it must be hard to like have that weekly call and get updates about things that you can't do anything about. And you're kind of like, well, is it better to like know that my son is sick at home or would I rather just not know because you can't do anything about it? I imagine that has to be a little bit of, of an internal struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's get on with our recap because we've been talking forever and we haven't even gotten to the night out. So we have, of course, Danny and Desi are the winners and Sarah is the loser. So we have to have our little strategy session. Finally, Sarah, mother, pulls through and becomes the first person in weeks to actually suggest names that they would like to go up against in the arena in her conversation with Desi and Danny. Uh, she says, you know, Angela and Alyssa have a lot of money, but it's not about the money. And she feels confident about beating either of them. But now Danny has a problem, of course, which we've discussed, which is that he's a survivor guy, which puts him in the little secret alliance uh, with the survivor guys and the big brother girls. And so he throws out cachet as a name to Desi. Uh, uh, So they, Danny and Desi talk and he has to like, to, I think, not the best job initially of explaining the alliance to her, which he says, look, we have this alliance and you're in it, but you just don't know about it yet. And so this is like starting to raise red flags for Desi because she's like, either either he's lying to me or I've, I'm out of the loop. And either of those things is bad news for me. And like, so Danny, this was messy. Yeah, it was really messy. And it was like, just I, like, Unnecessarily. I, could, I could just like watch it happening in like slow motion that I'm like, why is he saying this? Like, just just come up with an argument. But it would be hard, I think, in his position to really get into Angela's corner, because like, for Desi, what the, how does that make sense that that Danny is so strong, uh, strongly standing up for Angela? So I don't know what he was going to do. I didn't know what he could have done better, but what he did was not amazing. But I do think he did the damage control on it okay. Uh, I mean, obviously well enough that he got Desi to put cachet up in the end. 
Um, so Desi's argument was that Sarah is the only girl willing to go up against Angela. And, uh, you know, if anyone can take her out, then Sarah can. And if we don't, then that's going to be a problem for Desi in the end, because it's going to be hard to beat Angela in the end, which I think is like perfectly reasonable and something that, of course, Sarah is going to draw on later as well. So we're going to go party in Buenos Aires. And I think this is the best night out we've had yet because we're on like a beautiful rooftop and uh, plenty of plenty of spaces to have side conversations everybody's got their own little booth and i think there's some really great conversations including finally that moment that was teased several episodes ago in uh in a preview where sarah pulls the face at Alyssa. uh Alyssa pulls sarah aside i don't know what Alyssa thought she was doing but i think she did like she thought she was doing amazing at sort of like mending fences with Sarah. Uh, and I just loved that Sarah was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, everything is great. Everything is great. And then just like makes the face at her as she walks away. I think it's just iconic. Sarah is iconic. I hate to say. Uh, okay, what else happens? Dom talks to Desi because now Dom's been pulled into the damage control situation uh, that Danny got them into. And so he's trying to he's trying to tell her that she doesn't need to fear uh, any girls and she is so good and, and she's going to be great. There's no reason, in my opinion, that after this conversation, Desi should be trusting any of the survivor guys. Like it was just such a bad pitch, in my opinion. Like, like it's just crazy that this worked to me because Dom sitting there being like, "You don't need to feel you're you're the strongest girl here." Like, if we just look at the challenge wins, like that's not the case. Desi should be afraid of at least Angela and like. I mean, she could probably go toe to toe with Sarah. I like, I, I know, I'm realize I'm I'm buying into Sarah's narrative that she's an incredible competitor, but I do think she's very strong, and there's a lot of challenges you wouldn't want to go up against her in. Like, if there is a women's hall brawl, I wouldn't want to be going up against Sarah. Like, she's yeah. she's built like a linebacker. Also, so, so many of the challenges up until now have been teams and there have been times yeah. where Sarah has been bogged down by her teammate or there's just circumstances in which you, you know I think about Desi last week where she just slipped off of the thing from the get-go who's to say she wouldn't have been amazing at that challenge had a little mistake not happened at the beginning so as much as it is lol Sarah what have you done in this in this you know show so far you're the one woman not to qualify I do think Sarah is a huge threat in the final so I think it is worth that is definitely worth considering I mean I think bet- between her and Angela it's really to them for the win with Desi being a close third contender. Yeah, I think that not winning challenges doesn't necessarily like equate to Sarah being bad. Like she's come close several times. Right. And if Angela wasn't there last week, she would have won. So uh, yeah, I do think there are reasons to see her as a threat. But ultimately, I mean, anything else to say about the night out? I, I loved the Fab Five conversation. I thought Sarah did a great pitch to them. Um, yeah, I, I guess I just love I, seeing them all interact. I just would love more like info about those nights out because you had the moment where I think it was four of the Fab of the Fab Five were sitting and having a drink, and like there's only like ten or so people left. It's like, and then you had Alyssa and Danny in a booth a few over. It's like, where's everyone else? Are like, is this like? Did they get dinner first? Were they like, oh, like, was it like, oh, let's go out for an hour? Like, I just have so many questions around 
how this all works, the frequency with which they're doing it. Are there limitations around discussions of gameplay or are they encouraged to talk about gameplay? Because from a production perspective, this is a change of scenery, right? So it's like, instead of having all of these conversations take place at, I was going to say the house, but what do we agree to call that? The warehouse? <laughs> I've been calling it the house. <laughs> okay, well, whatever that structure is, it's like it gives them a new setting for these conversations. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious about... Are they allowed to flirt with locals? I, it's a great question. Although I heard from... So Danny from The Real World New Orleans revealed that when they went out during Homecoming, the season of Homecoming, uh, that filmed during COVID, they go out to a bar in the second episode. Those were all extras that were cast. Those were not oh. real patrons of the bar. And it, this was technically filmed during COVID. Who's to say like where we were at in the pandemic at the time? But it's like there's a world in which those were, you know, production assistants or people brought in by production. I mean, that would kind of make sense because to your point about talking about game at these things, it's like I know the challenge isn't like that big of a deal, but like you do really risk spoilers getting right. Out. You know, like if Sarah it just Lucina takes one American like, yeah. to be in this bar and be like, holy shit, I know all these people from Survivor and Big Brother. Oh, my God, they're talking about, like, all these details right. of this Sarah sends, like, a cop down to Buenosaurus, like, on assignment. <laughs> and then, like, he shows up to the bar and, like, he starts, you know, spreading some information. <laughs> okay. So uh, the next day... I think Sarah realizes she's got to do something. Danny is not budging on Angela and Desi doesn't see, see the worth in sort of like really digging her heels in on this against Danny. Um, so everyone's feeling a little concerned, especially uh, Justine and Cachet are feeling concerned because they feel like Danny may be looking to throw one of them in as being outside of any of his alliances. So Sarah has this last ditch effort goes up to Danny and Desi. It's really funny how this happens, that they're just sitting there together chit-chatting, and Sarah just walks up to them, just like authoritatively says, Alyssa, put Alyssa in, fist bumps them, and walks away. There is no discussion. It's just like, this is what's going to be done. And I think she walked away from that feeling very confident that she'd be going up against Alyssa. Okay, so they go to the arena, and this is where we have TJ asking each of Desi and Danny who they are choosing to put in the arena to face Sarah. Uh, and of course, they both agree that they would like to put Cache in. And Sarah's pissed at Desi. Ultimately, I think this is like, uh, I guess there is a world in which like Desi could be brought into the fold by Angela and Alyssa and the Survivor Boys, but. But I think what? Angela and Alyssa, I think Angela and Alyssa have really already drawn that line in the sand. And I don't know that they're inviting people over it. So I just think that this is like not good news for Desi. Because she's still outside of that alliance. Now she's sort of ostracized herself from her own alliance of the Fab Five. And I don't know. I just don't love it. But what I did love was this challenge called in a roll well, sorry real quick though i do just want to say too it's like we've never gotten any proof that the four survivor men are all together we've never gotten any discussions between tyson and ben for instance who have reason to have bad blood with one another over weeks previous as much as we're like talking about this it's the two uh, big brother women and the four survivor guys there's been no like the six of them have never communed together like there's really no proof that this is a legitimate alliance only it's only existed in talking heads 
Well, no, no, no. Because last week we did see them pull this together, but it was all sort of one-on-one. It was like, I'm going to go tell Dom. Right. Dom's going to go tell Tyson. Tyson's going to tell blah, da 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 And so we did see it come together and we saw everybody agree to it. Now, that's an interesting question. How... How all in is Tyson on this alliance? I would imagine because his number one ally, Angela, pulled the whole thing together, that he's in on it and willing to put his differences with Ben aside in that they have now this common enemy with Sarah. I wonder how much Tyson and Ben have talked about this this evolving relationship with Sarah. But Tyson is a smart enough game player. So in theory, if this was a men's duel and this alliance really existed, the only options to put up are David and Enzo None of, mm-hmm. neither of whom are threats. Tyson is smart enough. Tyson would go after one of the survivor players. Come on now. Like, well, maybe he would, but in any situation where he is not in the arena or not the winner, it's like, it's just keeping him comfortable. Right. So this alliance only exists to exist, but has no, like, I guess really. Oh, there's nothing that's bonding them together. Right. No. It will be tested next This is next a week. completely, this is a complete. I like this this is why I think Angela is a brilliant strategist at this game because this alliance serves Angela and Alyssa. I don't think it serves anybody else. So whether anybody's going to realize that, whether like when push comes to shove, like I thought push was coming to shove this episode, but Danny just kind of like went along with the alliance. So right. uh, and and not just went along with it, but actually stood up for it, which <laughs> Maybe if it was like a week from now, that might not have happened. But I think we need to see how this is actually going to shake out when push comes to shove. So anyways, let's talk about this challenge. It's called In a Roll. Each player is basically inside of a giant hamster wheel. And it's connected to a 300-foot rope with a ball at the end. They need to get that wheel spinning by running you know, in it like a hamster and pull on that rope until uh, the ball moves into their direction. Um, so... Sarah's in one, Cachet's in the other. Cachet cannot get her wheel to spin. I couldn't believe it because they were kind of setting us up. That, I mean, like for me, it was a foregone conclusion. Cachet's going home as soon as they put her in the arena. But then we had like, you know, a little production throwing doubt into our minds. Sarah saying that she's like a long distance runner and Cachet's really fast. And so she's not sure she's going to be able to do it fast enough in this short time. Um, but ultimately, like, Cache couldn't get her wheel to spin the first round, so Sarah very easily gets that point. Then what I thought was interesting was that they had them switch uh, switch wheels because I did, you know, you never know. You never know what they could be doing uh, that, that one of the wheels maybe doesn't work as well as the right. other. Um, but they did switch it up, and Sarah used her mom skills of, you know, running with a stroller to be cache out uh, for the second time once again this was like not super suspenseful similar to the hall brawl last week where it was you know best two of three uh in both cases and the person just wins one after another so that is what it is yeah i think it's a poorly designed challenge too where it's like if you're off to a good start like as long as you just maintain you want like there's no real way to come back in a challenge like this. yeah yeah yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem easy to like speed that wheel up. Right. You can kind of like you have your pace. plateau. Yeah. So, anyways, Sarah's still here. 
Cachet, very sadly, is gone. I think that Cachet, although she disappeared for a couple episodes there, I think she was like such a breath of fresh air in this show. I thought like of the Love Island girls, she was uh, very clearly the star in terms of being a great narrator of the show and just like bringing her whole authentic self to the the season so sad to see her go I thought it was interesting that TJ said you know we'll probably see you back in the future um, that's nice to hear I would like to see Cache on Survivor I feel like some of these Love Island girls could be primed for you know crossovers to other CBS uh, franchises I really hope uh, that their the success of the show begets us just more um, you know, multiverse of madness in the sense of yeah. like, you know, I, I think there's talk right now to bring these people into the fold of the challenge, which is like fine and great, but we're a survivor podcast. So we want to see these <laughs> yeah. people on survivor. Yeah, we do. And it's like, you have to imagine they're probably going to do something fun around the casting for season 45. If it's not an, an actual all-star season, you know, we could use a gimmick. We can't, sorry to tangent really briefly, but we can't keep doing just the seasons themed on numbers because that's going to get like just from a marketing standpoint um that's going to lose gas very quickly yeah totally and it's like so so just yesterday the season 43 cast was revealed and it's like i'm like i I always like to see a new cast i'm always excited for a new season of survivor but it's like at some point it's just we're now in our third season of just like okay the casts are they're kind of the same every every season. Like, yeah, I get it. These are just people. And I do think there's something to be said. I, I never thought I'd see the day, but <laughs> maybe there's something to be said for a little recruitment. Like, yeah. um, I don't know that we need entire casts of Survivor super fan nerds. Like, it is fun. Like, look at the glory days of Survivor. I know we got into a bad situation with recruitment in the 20s, but look at the teens where we had some truly iconic casts that were based very heavily on recruitment. Right. And I don't want to go heavy on recruitment because I think you can you can land uh, at a spot where they were in the 20s, but it's like, just a few. And just now, a few. Let's go find somebody interesting. And now that the game is so easy at just 26 days... Um, I don't even think it's asking for that much. So, yeah, yeah. And no, they give them the food. Even I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think that even like pulling, as we talked about in our snake in the grass, a recap is like pull Janelle. Like yeah, contact Janelle. Give her an appearance fee. Also, so many of the legendary players from the early years have kids now that are in their early twenties that Mm. are like primed, like. Yeah, look, it's what, crazy. So look like, at what Australian Sandra's Survivor yeah, is doing say, with Nina. Why is Sandra's daughter going on Survivor Australia and not being cast on US Survivor? It's like, come on, yeah. you have a built-in gimmick in her mere casting. It's like, not only did she turn out to be a great character in Survivor Blood vs. Water, where she played with Sandra, but to the point where now she is rumored to be currently playing Australian Survivor Heroes versus Villains. And like, how iconic will it be if she goes there and wins that? Like, her mother won Heroes versus Villains US. Is like, she a villain? She's a hero. Mm. That would be so iconic then. Oh, it would be so it's iconic. It's like they've both won Heroes versus Villains, her the hero, mom the villain. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is it. We've got Angela on the way out uh, of this episode saying that we've got an all-out war brewing uh, between her and Alyssa and Sarah. We've had a war brewing. It's like, honey, 
only only one of you is a veteran of war. The winner's at war. <laughs> so you better watch your back. <laughs> okay. That's all we have here. Uh, we have some very exciting stuff coming up. Uh, if you want to check out our Patreon, like I said, it's a great time to do it. It is the beginning of September, so you can check out all of the content that we've already put up uh, and all of the content that is coming in September. Next week, we are going to be doing uh, exclusively with our patrons a cast assessment of the Survivor 43 cast. Very excited for that and for the chance to be able to chat with our patrons a little bit. So if you want to get in on that, uh, check out the Patreon now we also have some interesting interviews that we are hoping to lock in for the month of september uh very excited to be able to talk to some more legends if you haven't listened to our earl cole interview i beg of you to go do that right now because he was so great and it's not often we let straight men come into this podcast so subscribe so you don't miss anything follow us at, at drop your buffs pod on instagram and drop us a voicemail thanks for listening bye bye